Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, Senor Cortez. So we were talking about the soul-sucking nature of commuting in Sao Paulo. And you were, ta and you were telling me at right now, like three days a week, you spend about four hours a day on public transportation, which is fucking insane, man. Four hours yeah, a day. Yeah, man. It is, it is definitely a real hustle, man. It's, uh, it's something that I'm planning to, to change and, and adapt to because if I'm having to go to the office like three or four times a week, there's just no way. Having, that's like, what, 20 hours of your week spent on public transportation yeah, bro. that's just too much man i don't know if i can handle it but yeah i mean it's, it's it's weird because during the pandemic a lot of companies have kind of gotten used to having the whole team working from home and i feel like in a lot of times that's very beneficial not only to the employee itself but to the company too because you have savings in energy and food and transport and things like that. But I don't know why, I man. For some reason now that the pandemic is gone and the companies knew that we can make you work, working from home. Like we don't have no reason to go to the office because it doesn't really impact in the uh, productivity. But for some reason they have the mentality of like, that culture of like, oh, we need to, you know, engage with each other and we need to have human contact and we need to socialize and that's going to be a good thing for us. Yeah. And I don't know, man, when you spend like four hours of your day uh, in public transportation, you don't, you don't agree with that, you know? <laughs> You're not trying to hear that shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if your boss has like a, like a fancy car and he's like on air conditioner going to work. That's great. I mean, it doesn't make any difference, but for people like me that has to go through, uh, just Metro and buses in Sao Paulo, it's really, it's really a hustle. Yeah. It's gotta be rough, man. And to be honest, I imagine that 
at least part of it has nothing to do with productivity. It's more just like control, bro. You're easier to control when you're in the office. I don't know what you're doing when you're at the house. You might finish your work in three hours, but we're expecting you to work for six to eight. I have no way of telling if you're actually using all that time to like serve my company's interests. So it's better if I keep you right here in the office and I can keep an eye on you. You know what I mean? I imagine that's a big part of it. Absolutely. For sure, man. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that uh, the the companies are having to adapt to that as well when it comes to like hiring people, because especially in the in the tech field nowadays after the pandemic there's a lot of candidates or or people that are unemployed looking for jobs that are like i'm not accepting that if it's uh if i have to go to the office you know some people they uh, uh require uh what's it called like a hybrid style where you can get to work from home like three or two times a day and then go to the office if you have the option to if you want to but not uh, you're not obligated to do that so a lot of companies are like yeah we want people to work from here but a lot of people are not accepting that so you just kind of have to adapt to the the job market how it is right now so I, I think we have that power you know to yeah you guys don't want me to you guys don't allow me to work from home so I'm not going to accept that role or that that position. And then I, I'm noticing that more and more people are doing nowadays. But there's always going to be those type of people that are like, I need the job. I'm unemployed. So fuck it. I'll just, I'll just accept it. Exactly. Yeah, I think during the pandemic and at least uh, for some time period after, the power dynamic had shifted to where employees have more choices and they didn't necessarily have to accept certain conditions that they would have accepted pre-pandemic. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't have enough information about how this works to know for sure. I just imagine at some point it's going to get back to a point where most people say, no, you need to come into the office. And if all the employers together just say, we're going to make you come into the office, either you come into the office or you don't have a job. At that point, I don't think people will be so bold and just say, no, I'm not accepting this shit because money talks, bro. So if the people with the money yeah. say come into the office, you're you're going into the office, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, to me, the the perfect style would be uh, that, that hybrid style where, yeah, the company wants to have a little bit of control on you but you have a little bit of liberty as well and you get to rest a little bit more, staying home a couple of days. Because one thing I noticed, man, is that even when I was like 100% home office, there was a few days when I was like, man, I wish that I could just get outside the house mm. and then just see people. And even for me, like I'm the most introverted person. Like I wanted to, you know, just be outside of that same because you end up having your own cubicle at home as well exactly. so when i get outside of that sometimes so hybrid style but even then man you gotta be close to the company because to me i have to go to the office like three times a day three times a week but it's like those three times a week. <laughs> like, man, 
It's difficult, man. <laughs> Those three times a week. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. What do you like? It, I mean, two hours is like, that's significant time, bro. What are you typically doing during those two hours? Man, I usually listen to podcasts. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of people in the Metro uh, watching series on like cell phone and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's always like either listening to an audiobook or listening to podcasts. But even then, man, you get you get bored as shit <laughs> when you're like, uh, uh, like seven or eight stations to go. And like, man, <laughs> it seems like you never, you never gets closer. Yeah. It really, really gets, uh, boring. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm planning to actually, uh, get a little bit closer to the office, not exactly in the, uh, the neighborhood. Cause it's too expensive. It's like, uh, you call like a business center Mm -hmm. or something but at least a lot around the area you know like 30 minutes or 40 minutes from america it's it's gonna make my life a lot a lot easier because when you when you do that man it's like you're you're sleeping less and you have less personal time um for me personally like that means less time to go to the gym to enjoy myself when i get home last time from a girlfriend so it really impacts like your personal life so i don't think that's like sustainable in in the long run you know mm-hmm. you gotta do something about it yeah definitely man 100 percent. and sometimes i wonder if it's always just gonna be that way where people are expected to always commute into the office when like you said it's pretty clear you don't necessarily need to for a lot of jobs and so I just wonder if that's going to change at some point. And something else that I was, I was just reading this article about digital nomads, because of course, at least in the U.S., I was reading some statistics like the number of digital nomads jumped up like 130% between 2019 and 2022. So there's millions more people who are working online completely and just like traveling and working at the same time or living abroad and spending dollars or pounds or euros or making that money and then they're spending pesos or, or whatever it might be. And I just think that we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. I think that digital nomad lifestyle is only now starting to blow up a little bit more, but I think we'll see that a lot more in the future, especially if companies are okay with just saying like, Hey, I don't care if you ever come into the office, just make sure your work is done. But one thing I'm curious to know what you think about is not necessarily the idea of working in the office or working from home, but another idea that some people are talking about, which is the effect that digital nomads are having on economies abroad. Because if you think about a place like Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, Portugal, places that are, if you have money, really nice to live. You know what I mean? And a lot of Canadians, Americans, Western Europeans will travel to places like this, stay in Airbnbs, rent apartments start going to the local restaurants and then the locals kind of realize that and they say, oh, these people have much stronger currency. They have a lot more money to spend. Let's hike up the prices. The problem with that is, yeah, you're making more money, but you're basically pricing the rest of the locals out of the market. They can't afford to pay the same prices that these digital nomads are paying. So a lot of locals actually don't like the idea of foreigners coming to basically make their country their new home 
because then their their home becomes like too expensive to live in and they're from there you know what i'm saying so it's kind of like it's weird because on one side you have people coming into the economy spending money which is fantastic but by spending so much of that money the sellers i don't know i wouldn't say get greedy they're just taking advantage of the opportunity and charging higher prices but then the locals are kind of fucked and they're like well what are we supposed to do we're never going to make that kind of money so we can never pay these prices you know what i mean so it's like a double-edged sword almost what do you think about that i definitely agree man i think that has a huge impact especially in the job market if you think about it because i remember the uh the last job that i was working at i had a boss that got promoted to uh the united states so like the the major center of the the matrix i don't know if that's a word of the company oh, headquarters was located in, headquarters headquarters yeah. yeah was located in the u.s mm-hmm. and then she got promoted to that and she was like man i'm not sure if it's worth it because what they're offering me is a lot less than like the average salary in that position. But then after a few days of like thinking about it, she was like, man, it's below average for them. But for me, that's like, I plan to just send money to Brazil and save money in AIs. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a big, big opportunity. So it's like the, the company is like, Mm -hmm taking advantage of that because it's like we get to to pay less for basically the same quality of 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 job Mm -hmm. or effort and then for her it was like yeah if i was living there or if i was like a local it wouldn't be worth it but for me coming from brazil and then being able to earn in dollars it's gonna be it's gonna be a big uh, uh, opportunity for mm-hmm. me and i thought that funny because it's like uh somebody from there could be like yeah there's people uh uh allowing the job market to 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 pay us less just because of like uh currency exchange or there's people coming from uh, a different condition or lifestyle or or economy and that makes a huge impact man i think there's two sides to it there's the side of like the the country that's receiving those people and then taking advantage of that and then also the people that are coming in that are like i got nothing to do with it i'm just gonna (laughs) take advantage of that you know yeah it's so true man it makes me think of one of my good friends he's he's from uh sao paulo he's been living in I can't remember the city, but somewhere in Canada, he's been living there for like, man, six or seven years. He's a programmer. He works in tech. And um, Canada is one of those countries that really welcomes lots of foreigners because the way he explained it to me is that most Canadians, at least in the tech industry, they want to move down to the U.S. because salaries are better. And so there's like a giant gap where all these Canadians should be. And the government thought, okay, well, let's just make it easier for foreigners to come in, get work visas and, and live great lives so that way we can have people here working and stimulating the economy and it's one of those situations i wouldn't say he makes shit money or anything like that but it's that classic situation of where it's like i'm really staying here because the money's so much better than what i would make in brazil 
and I'm sending so much money back home to support my family. So when you look at it that way, it makes sense. And from a business perspective, you can kind of understand it. I mean, as a corporation, if you can find a way to cut costs and pay less to get the same result, why would you not do that? But I guess some people think about it from like a moral perspective, an ethical perspective and say, nah, that's not right. Especially the digital nomad thing. Like you shouldn't come to my country and gentrify things and make things more expensive. But like you said, I'm not controlling the prices, bro. It's not my fault that my currency stronger and the people in this local area are trying to take advantage and charge higher prices. That's just simple business tactics. You know what I mean? And I guess no matter what the business, um, somebody's going to suffer the same way. Like we love having iPhones, but they're made by fucking slaves, you know? So it's yeah. like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it because I'm a digital nomad. You know what I mean? So I'm part of it, but I just, I had never thought about it until recently. And I'm like, damn, I guess, in a way, you really are like fucking the local people by coming in and just splurging a bunch of dollars because for you, it's like a fraction of what you would normally pay. You know, so but should we not yeah. travel? Should we not go to places and spend money? Or like, what's the solution there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, that even contributes to that idea of like, in a lot of countries, the uh, the locals don't really... Um, uh, they don't really fuck with immigrants <laughs> because they have that idea of like, yeah, we don't like immigrants because they're going to get our jobs. Because if you think about like 10 or 20 years from now, 20 years ago, we had that idea of like, they're not going to get our jobs because the job that an immigrant is doing is pretty much what we don't want to do. So it's not real job for us but nowadays that we have that gift of actually working from anywhere in the world in our own profession and making money from that it's gonna be a a a big change worldwide in my opinion Mm. for sure because you're not gonna have just locals making a difference in the country you're gonna have like people from every part of the world making making that difference um like i said iphones for example or any major technology video game that's being made it's not just made for like one nationality if you think about it like there's people from all parts of the world doing that and working on that like people from india and japan and china and americans so that we have that in our advantage as well, um, having more talents in the world and not having like uh, something closed for locals only. Mm-hmm. 100%, man. Another thing that I see from a positive perspective as opposed to a negative one is just the advancements in technology in general, things like AI and all of the tools that we have readily available just with an internet connection a computer, sometimes just a smartphone. I mean, smartphones are like little supercomputers, man. And a lot of people, at least in the US, I think many parts of the world, people are really afraid of AI and how it's going to take a bunch of jobs and automate everything. And so many people are just not going to have the conditions to make money anymore because it's not, it's like some people will say, okay, with this AI revolution, there will be new jobs created, just like with the industrial revolution, the agricultural revolution, any other revolution. Like every, when every time 
something dies, something else gets born. So a lot of people will say, yes, new jobs will be created, but it's not like everybody's going to start working in AI. So a lot of people are going to be out of a job. They don't have much education and they're not going to jump into tech. So a lot of people will be fucked, theoretically. But although that may be true, I still think about it from the positive aspect and like, bro, think how many more individuals or tiny little teams with interesting ideas can now start their own businesses, sell their own products, start making, man, you can create your own media company with a cell phone, a microphone, and your computer. You can make movies, bro, podcasts, you can write books, you can do whatever you want. So I would like to think, and I guess I should say, I hope that a lot more people who do have ideas, but maybe didn't have the money or the manpower or the technology before can now do a bunch of incredible shit. I don't know if you've been following like all the stuff AI can do, but it's like really impressive, man. And so many different systems that would have had to been done by people can now be done by robots as long as you give them the correct instruction. So I don't know. It's not all good. It's not all bad. But I do think the positive aspect is a lot more people now are um, much more capable of realizing a lot more dreams that you simply, I mean, like our parents, for example, couldn't dream, could not fucking dream about doing half the shit that we can do right now with just a cell phone. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And I feel like that uh, the, the the AI is going to make um, there's definitely going to be a lot of advantages, but definitely a lot of, of uh, it, it can be detrimental in some ways, because I don't know if you remember that uh, translator AI that I sent you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, man, if only I had that when I was in Uruguay in Argentina. Yeah. I I didn't want to speak Spanish. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny how one of those things can also make people lazy or make people not as interested in like so true. making an effort to learn new things. Yeah. And I think it's gonna change the world in that aspect because uh, nowadays, yeah, not as much, but like even before. If you wanted to learn a language, you really had to like put in the effort and not to mention like years ago where you had that methodology of like reading books and then taking classes and things like that. And then you had to make that effort to make it happen. Imagine like 20 years from now where we're going to have those AI um, resources and we have no fucking reason to really put in effort to to learn the language we have an intelligence or a, a resource technology that uh can make that for us i imagine like how laziness that can bring to human beings yeah. you know because if we're talking about an ai that can translate a language we're going to have things that's like, you can learn math with that, or like there's an AI that can make math for you, not just a simple calculator or something. Uh, you're going to have so many resources that's going to make people like, nah, I don't need to learn that shit. I have AI that's going to figure that out. Even like, um, I got graduated about three years ago. But I was I was watching a video from uh, one of my 
professors at college at that time. And he was like, man, it is so difficult nowadays to uh, have my, my students uh, do a test and then for me to believe that the result is legitimate because he was like, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, object oriented programming uh, okay. professor. Yeah. And uh, the type of test that we would do was basically uh, running your program or uh, doing your program from zero. So he's like, it, it's hard to believe that the test is legitimate because we have chat GPD and I know that a lot of tests are being made from there. And then he, he even discovered another AI that can identify if a programming was made through chat GPD or actually a human being. So it's like an AI kind of like uh, uh, discovering another AI. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it just goes to show how, how things are changing. Like he's just a professor that's trying to evaluate students and the students are like, nah, we're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to, which is like actually learning how to make a program and then uh, pass that test, we're going to have Chad GPD do that for us. You know, it, it's just crazy, man. What, what do you think about that? I definitely think it'll make a lot of people or a lot of people much lazier than they are right now, just because if there's no reason to get up and make the effort and someone or something else will make it for you, most humans are just not going to do it. You know what I mean? But I also think it gives us the opportunity to re to reconsider what it means to learn or at least reconsider the things that we are trying to learn. Because, I mean, if we follow that line of logic, we shouldn't be using calculators. We shouldn't be using automatic cars. We shouldn't be using cars at all. We should still be riding horses. We should be walking everywhere if that's the case. So I think yeah. in certain cases, it's great when we have technology to do stuff for us to make life easier or more efficient to save us time. That's fantastic. But I do see like your point, which is we have to maybe draw the line somewhere because at a certain point, we're just going to be like, I think it was the movie Wally, where you're just like these fucking fat slobs sitting on the couch. You have something feeding you, something cleaning you, and you really just don't do anything except consume shit at that point. And obviously that's not positive. But I think, especially in the case of school and education, it's a clear sign that the 13 years I spent in school were certainly a waste of fucking time. Like, I don't need to spend all this time memorizing information about science and math and all these things when I have it available at my fingertips. Logically thinking, there's no reason to waste Absolutely. all the time learning it if I can just boop, 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 and then the answer is right there. So maybe it's an opportunity to say, okay, let's change the curriculum and start teaching kids shit that they actually need to know because information now is a commodity. It's, it's readily available, virtually free. So why would I spend all this time trying to memorize it? It's a waste of time. I should be learning skills that can only be learned by doing, you know, but just memorizing information to me has always been a waste of fucking time. So I think ChatGPT is a blessing in disguise in some ways, in some ways. But um, I, I also think that it's a chance to ask ourselves, what would we do with ourselves if we didn't have to do what we've always done? And what I mean is like, if we didn't have to spend all those years in school, 
if we don't have to spend all this time like doing repetitive manual tasks and shit like that and we free up all that time what could we do instead and that's a question i don't have the answer to because if people aren't working and making money and spending money what the fuck are we going to do with all that time and how are we still yeah. going to keep this game that we call life going or society how do we keep this game going when most stuff is automated and people don't really need to do most shit that's the biggest question i yeah. have because it's coming i'm not saying that next year or the next five years will all be replaced by robots i think it'll be a long time before we even really consider that reality for real but still at some point you have to ask yourself with the way things are advancing like so quickly what does the world look like when let's call it 60 percent of the stuff we do now won't need to be done by humans you know let me ask you no, this yeah, what do you absolutely. think about universal basic income bro do you know what that is Nah, not really so i'll try i'll try to like summarize it basically the idea is it was it became i think it's actually an old 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 idea it's nothing new but it became popular again i believe in the 2016 election in the united states a presidential presidential candidate named andrew yang proposed this idea because he saw automation on the horizon he said listen this is coming a lot of things are going to be automated. We don't need humans to do this, which means a lot of humans just won't have anything to do because not everybody's going to become a fucking programmer or AI specialist or whatever. So we need to find a way to keep the fucking machine turning, even though all the parts aren't necessary anymore. So what we should do is all citizens over 18 who have been displaced by this new technology or whatever, the government should send them a paycheck. Thousand bucks, eighteen hundred bucks, two thousand bucks, whatever it is, adjusted for your area and cost of living. So that way, even if you can't work or you've been displaced, you still have enough to pay for your basic necessities rent, healthcare, food, clothing, schooling, and all that type of stuff. And that is kind of like the solution to the problem of so many people not really having any work to do, but still needing to make and spend money. The critique of that idea is where the fuck is the money going to come from, bro? <laughs> You're just going to do this forever? Where is that money going to come from? And the only solution or the only answer to that question I've heard, which is not a realistic one, is all the billionaire and trillionaire companies who are capitalizing on this new tech and automating everything. It should come from their profit. So a Microsoft or OpenAI who's making trillions of dollars off of this technology we should take a piece of their profit and redistribute it to all these people who now have nothing to do because of the technology. I guess if you're a socialist, that sounds amazing, but I'm not into socialism, bro. I don't think it would work. It doesn't sound realistic to me. But what do you think about the idea of universal basic income? Man, that's crazy. And I, I, think, it, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think I've watched one of his podcasts on – he's been on Joe, right? Yes, he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Andrew, Andrew or something. Yeah, uh, man, that, that's crazy because I feel like uh, we 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 kind of have a little bit of that idea in, in Brazil, where we have something called uh, Bolsa Família and Auxilio Brasil and, and things like that. And I know through experience that. A lot of people get really, uh, um, how do you say, comfortable that idea, and they're like, ah, I don't, I don't need to find a job. Like the government is going to, to have my back or something. So there's that 
point. Like, I know that a lot of people are going to be comfortable with that, and that's going to make them not want to make shit happen. You just want to to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, I, I do think it's going to – it would definitely help a lot of people, especially when you have one of those periods where – Unemployment is really, really high, uh, but there's also the 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 fact with the economy. Like, man, if if a country like a country like Brazil will never be able to do that, absolutely not possible. Because if you have like a simple uh, uh, um, family program, it's called Bolsa Família. That's like I don't know, maybe. Eight percent of Brazil have that benefit, like uh, single moms and things like that, and that already have a huge impact in the economy, and that makes a lot of the, and that actually contributes to the country being in the state that it is right now. Especially, uh, imagine something like actually having more people taking that piece of money. And then, it's like you said, where that money is coming from, it's 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 gonna have to come from somebody or somewhere. So yeah, I mean, I I think that's an idea that's very very uh, good for people that like socialism. But to me, man, and, and the idea that I have about like the way that I would like to live my life and like, I want to be a millionaire one day and I would not want to have no fucking government like taking my money. So I, I don't agree with that. Absolutely. No, it's a good idea, but the things that you have to do to make it work just makes it not, not doable in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly. You can't necessarily, I mean, trying to justify robbery by saying oh we're helping people who are less fortunate it's still robbery bro so it's, I, that's why i've never really seen it as a viable solution like taking from yeah. some and then giving to others because i mean like this is maybe not the most common thing to happen but it does happen all the time which is what if that dude was born poor and he worked for Absolutely. every fucking thing he got and now you're just going to take it and give it to other poor people who weren't willing yeah. or able to do the same work that doesn't make sense to me that doesn't seem fair and i find that a lot of times i'm not the expert on socialism so i can't really speak about it in detail but i just find whenever i hear somebody like spouting off socialist ideology they're always justifying something that's clearly wrong but they justify it by saying yeah but we're doing it for a good reason you know what i mean it's like the same people you hate capitalists are doing what you think is wrong, but they do it for a good reason. So it's like, you're not necessarily any different. You're just like, you just want to be in control. You want to be the one who decides who gets to keep the money, how it gets redistributed, when, how much, and all that type of stuff. You just want to be in charge. You don't, a lot of times people who have that idea, we should take from the rich and give to the poor. They don't even give a fuck about poor people. They just want power. They just want power. You know what I mean? So I don't think that's a, a viable solution. But I do think that it's a problem that needs a solution, man, because I can only imagine, man, when I think about the U.S., it's like, yo, it's a problem. If 70% of people don't need to work and money's not circulating, imagine in fucking Malaysia, 
Imagine the northeast of Brazil. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some place, I mean, like, imagine in fucking Ethiopia or some shit. I mean, places where, like, the economy is nothing like it is in North America. And there's, like, real poverty. You know what I mean? And eventually, what happens, you have these corporations and companies who have this amazing technology. They enter these markets. They monopolize them. And then the locals are just like... Well, we're fucked now. What yeah. you know what I mean? Just imagine the crime rates. Imagine the robbery and the murder yeah. and the starvation. I mean, dude, it would get really, really, really ugly. And I'm not trying to paint like the dark scene, like everything's gonna be bad, because I do think new opportunities will arise. But I don't know if we've ever seen a revolution quite like this one, man, where machines will be doing most physical labor and computers will be doing most analytical labor. I mean, entrepreneurs and artists seem to be safe. Everybody else, like, what? Even artists. I don't know if you've heard the AI-generated song. I think it was Drake and somebody else. Drake and another artist. But it was all made by AI, just replicating their voices. And they chose a beat. And you would never be able to tell the difference between a real Drake song and this AI-generated one. That was a couple months ago, I think. So imagine five, ten years from now, when you have no distinction between what was made by people and what was made by fucking robots. It's like, it's getting weird, man. It's just getting a little weird. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, man. I know that a lot of people are really worried about that, uh, myself included, because I know that, especially in the, like, a lot of people think that because they are, like, in the, in the tech side, they don't have to worry about that because they're like, oh, we we are actually um, behind the the AI or we're the people that actually make it work. And they think that they don't, they don't have to worry about that. But um, one second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Sorry, I think my girlfriend is, is calling me. Just... Sorry about that, man. No, it's all good. It's all good. <clears throat> but, um... Turn my shit off. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are, are... A lot of people think that they don't have to worry about that because, like, they're actually people that make the eye work and stuff like that. But man, even the way that programming is being made nowadays, a lot of stuff are being automated and not actually made through a human. Uh, like it got frameworks 
and you got stuff that's just you don't have to spend hours typing line of code. It's just gonna generate that for you. And I think little by little, that's gonna make not absolutely uh, vanish people from the job market, but like the necessity of having you in there being less and less uh, uh, needed or important. So I think it's gonna impact everybody. Like it, there's going to be a point where everybody's gonna be impacted for sure. And even I know that only now um, AI technology is being like really, really uh, expanded, expanded. But we got stuff like going to the supermarket and not having to actually have a cashier uh, do your stuff. We have that for like, what, 10 years now or something like Probably. that? Probably, yeah, a long time. Yeah, so it started with like cashiers and things like that, but it's going to get to a point where it's like, it's going to reach a lot of different uh, areas and scenarios for sure. 100%. I, when I was in, when I was uh, leaving Bogota in the airport already, I don't, you know how like when you go to the airport, you check your bag and they put it on the conveyor belt, send it to the plane and you go and check in and get your boarding pass and everything. I did all that shit myself. I walked in and there was a little kiosk. I think I scanned like my passport and put in some ID numbers. It printed my boarding pass. I didn't need any help for that. Then I went to another machine, scanned my boarding pass because I wanted to check my bag. It printed out the bag ticket. I put it on the bag myself, walked to another machine, scanned that ticket. And I put the bag on this mini conveyor belt right in front of me. It weighs it for me. And then once it gets the green light, it goes onto a longer conveyor belt, sends it to the plane. I didn't talk to a single person the entire time. And there was like 20 stalls and maybe two employees just making sure nothing went wrong. So, I mean, we're definitely, I think, in the early stages of many industries getting touched by automation. You know what I mean? And so I don't know what that future looks like. But I think it's better to just accept the reality and then ask ourselves, how are we going to adapt? As opposed to thinking the government's going to come in and save you because I don't care where you're from. Let's just generalize by saying 90% of governments worldwide don't give a fuck about the people. That's just fact. Man, that's not a fact. That's my opinion. That's what I think. So like to, to think that your government's going to come in and actually like lend you a hand, especially for nothing in return, you're out of your fucking mind, bro. You're out of your fucking mind. And to think that businesses are going to slow down and stop out of what, like empathy so that other people don't lose their jobs. You're out of your fucking mind, bro. This is business. Either you eat me or I eat you. It's just the way it is. So I don't know, man. I think it's something that more and more we're going to have to ask ourselves. Like, what do we do when we're not necessarily necessary for jobs to be done, for businesses to be run? You know what I mean? Like, for example, what would you, let's imagine that universal basic income went into effect in brazil government says we're going to give you in sao paulo five thousand reais per month just to make sure you can pay for rent public transportation food whatever what do you think you would do with all your time if you didn't have to work and spend four hours a fucking day on the train man that's that's a great question yeah, I mean, it's a good question because I remember even when I was, um, what do you call, um, when you get uh, a few days 
uh, off work. What do you call that? Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I was uh, on vacation, I was like, the first couple of days, like the first, I don't know, first two weeks, I was like, yeah, man, I'm getting some rest. It's going great. Fuck that job. I don't want to go back. I mean, after a few days, you're like, what do I do now? You know, you, you, you kind of miss, you know, that routine and actually having something to do and then spending those eight hours of your day actually like focused or something on something. And then I was like, man, I got to get back to work. You know? I, wanna... <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to spend more time just, you know, doing nothing yeah. all day. And, uh, man, to me, I really, I really don't know what I would do with my time because I think there's always a point where even the stuff that you enjoy doing or your passions, I don't know, it gets kind of boring at some point, man. I'm, and then you're never going to, I guess, for most people, you're never going to love your job. But just that feeling of like purpose, I'm doing that because I'm saving money, I need to pay rent, I need money and some, things like that. It gives your, it gives a reason to that and makes it uh, uh, reasonable to do. But like just not having to do that, yeah, what would you do with your time? Because if you think about it, around 10 hours of your day, revolves around working if we're talking about like a traditional job if you have that out of the way and you have those 10 hours like in your hands to do what you want man it's a great question i, I guess i never <laughs> had that so i was like <laughs> <laughs> never had to even think about it because it was never a yeah. possibility yeah <laughs> it's like not even like a reality <laughs> but that's that's a good question man yeah, yeah. i don't know I know what I would do, like, the first couple of days. Like, mm. I would sleep a lot and then watch a lot of soccer, play a lot of soccer. Uh, I would do the things that I'm passionate about. But, like, in the long run, like, like spending five years of your life with that much free time, I don't know what I would invest my time on, to be honest with you. What about you? Do you, do you have that in mind, like... I know that you value your time a lot, so <laughs> I'm expecting a really, a really good answer on that. <laughs> um, what would I do? I, th I mean, the first things that come to mind, if I didn't have to work for money, I think, well, what I know is I would definitely still be podcasting. I'd probably be podcasting a lot more because that's just something like, as long as I can talk, I'll be recording podcasts 100%. I just like talking to people. I love making conversation. I like doing the interviews too because you just like can sit and listen to this person tell you everything they know. You just learn so much, man. To me, it's just one of the best ways to spend time is exchanging ideas. So I'd definitely be doing that and a lot more. Um, I'd be playing football every single day. As long as, long as I can run, I'm playing, bro. It's one of my favorite things to yeah. do. And I guess, to be honest, I would just like be much more involved in the arts, consuming and producing artwork, whether it's I would learn how to paint. I would learn how to play saxophone. Uh, I would could, I would have so much more time to read so many more books, to listen to so many more albums, to watch so many more movies and stuff like that. I just love art. So if I had more time to consume it all, that'd be fantastic. 
um, travel quite a bit for sure, as much as possible, especially if I didn't have to like worry about money or work, I'd be traveling all the fucking time, man, all the fucking time. You know, obviously after a while, I think one thing I've been thinking about since I started traveling again is like, you know, at some point you do, I imagine you want to like find some place to call home. And when I think about where I would settle down and call home, I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking know, bro. The only place that immediately comes to mind is San Diego, California, bro. But it's just way too fucking expensive. So if I didn't have to worry about money, then yeah. But realistically, I I don't know. So I probably travel a lot and then eventually want to settle down somewhere. And uh, even though it's maybe not the most popular or traditional idea these days, I still love the idea of like a wife and kids and just have and raise my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. That to me is still like one of the best ways you can spend your time. There's nothing more important to family. So I'd like to have a family one day and I probably just like really take a lot more risk and start a bunch of different businesses. You know what I mean? That's probably what yeah, I do man. with my time. I think that would be enough to fill up 24 hours a day, at least for a few years. And Absolutely. then as I continue to live life, yeah. I'd probably get interested in other things. And But yeah, just constantly learning and trying to gain new experiences, build <clears throat> businesses, solve problems and connect with people. Some of the time, I don't really like man. people like that, but you know. It depends on the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something yeah, like that. That's a great answer. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think it's it's interesting how a traditional job or a career in general takes up so much time of us that it's it, it's very common to listen um, like very successful people that have built like a great company that are very successful in their career say things like, "Yeah, I'm very successful." I make a lot of money, but my marriage is over because I didn't have no time or time to have to give attention to her. Uh, I didn't really have a close relationship with my my kids growing up. So all you do is work, and then the the time that you have left, you can't do nothing valuable with that so i would imagine if we had that option of like if money was no object what would you do with your time we would be able to also deliver a lot more to like the people that we love and the things that we actually care about because um it's actually a conversation that we were having um last week when i sent you those audio messages where it's like Man, everything's temporary. Like your job is temporary, your career is temporary, even money is temporary if you don't know how to manage that. But the people that you care about and they care about you, that's what really stays in life. You know, that's what really matters at the end of the day. Because like, even if I lose my job or I become like unemployed forever. I'm still going to have my parents, my family, my girlfriend, maybe my friends. So a lot of times we get uh, uh, this, it's almost automatically in our heads, like that uh, uh, behavior of like giving the, the, the priority to the wrong, not the wrong things in life, but like not being able to balance the priorities that you should give in life. So 
that's a good example. Like giving a lot of priority to something that's temporary. Yeah, it's important. Uh, it makes you money. Uh, you're able to survive through that. But then giving a lot less important importance or priority to what's actually important and what's actually going to stay for the rest of your life. So I feel like that would be something that would take a lot of weight out of a lot of people's shoulder if we didn't have that uh, obligation in life to have that huge amount of time spent on like a traditional job mm -hmm. and that taking up so much time from things that, that you would actually want to spend your time with. 100% man. 100%. I mean, just what you said made me think about so many, not even just single parents, even if it's both parents in the household, sometimes both of them are working two jobs. They got two, three, four kids that they got to take care of. And it's not because, oh, I just want so much more money. It's like, nah, shit's getting more and more expensive. And I want my kids to have the best life possible. So I'm just going to work my ass off to make sure all the bills are paid and I can send them to the best schools and give them the best I can possibly give them. And sometimes I wonder, I don't think this is going to happen, but maybe I think it would be possible if once things start to really get much more automated and humans aren't as necessary as they are today, maybe I think a nice compromise could be that companies just require you to work less hours but pay you the same salary because it's not like they're going to be making less money. I know that sounds ludicrous to the company owner. That'd be like, what the fuck? Are you doing? Of course not. But I mean, if we're thinking about ways to keep the machine running, I'm not an economist, but if we're thinking about ways to keep the machine running, it's like, well, we don't need as many people for as much time, but we need everybody making and spending money. So let's just let robots do half, let humans do the other half. We don't change anybody's yeah. salaries. And people just have more time to do other shit. And unfortunately, for better or for worse, a lot of people, if you give them the same amount of money, they have to work less time. They have more free time. They're going to spend that money. They're going to spend it somewhere. So I think, again, I'm not an economist. If there's an economist listening to this, he might think I sound fucking stupid. I don't really know. I just imagine that that's a way to keep the money circulating because like 70% of the population not having to work, not making any money, that's bad for everybody. Even the rich, like even rich people pay poor people to wash their cars and cook their food and shit like that. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't really Absolutely. know what's going to what's going to happen with this future. Nobody knows what's going to happen yeah. with this future uh, tech revolution. Yeah. man. Nobody knows. Even the uh, if you think about the, the traditional job, even like the, the the amount of time that you spend working is really like, ridiculous. You, you can change that easily yeah. and at the same time maintain the productivity and the results. And I've always wondered, like, what's the necessity of, like, actually having to spend eight hours at work? You know, it's just there. there's no reason to to maintain that forever, man. Like, even at my job personally. Out of those eight hours, I'm probably actually working <laughs> four and a half, maybe. Like, there's no way to work eight hours a day. I mean, like, humans are not built for that, you know, to have that, uh, to be able to focus on, on an activity for eight hours straight. Yeah. So, it's it's something that does not really 
get in my mind, man, like the necessity of having a that much hours in, into work. And I've read stuff like um, I think it's Tim Harris, something like that. The four hour week. Tim idea. Harris, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that at one point we're we're gonna get close to that, man. And it's it, it's hard to do when you have something so established for so long. But I feel like our generation are so open-minded about so many things that I think if it doesn't apply to our generation, I think the next one coming up is definitely going to apply that to the job market because we're going to notice that it's really not uh, – doesn't make any sense to maintain that forever. Like that's being, that's an ongoing thing for like a hundred years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like ever since the uh, we call it CLET in Brazil was was made. Like it doesn't have to to last forever. Mm-hmm. Especially now that we have so many resources to to help us and to to put the effort in half. Sometimes we we have to adapt that. I feel like. Man, you know another thing that we need to adapt. I've been watching a lot of videos. This woman, I don't, I don't know her first name. It's not listed on her profile, but Dr. Panova. She makes videos about urbanism, uh, urban development, and how technology and our physical environments affect our well-being, our mental state, and stuff like that. It's fascinating stuff. I'll send it to you after we finish talking. But she's the one that made me realize that a major difference between the United States of America and many places in Europe, for example, is the way our cities are developed. Because you've never been to the US, but I'm sure you've maybe seen videos and stuff like that. Like one thing that's really, really common in the United States is like you have these giant commercial areas where there's nothing but restaurants and department stores, shopping malls. But the majority of the country was built for cars to get anywhere or most places you need to get in your car and drive 10, 15, 20 minutes to get there. Whereas in many cities, at least in Western Europe, like the cities are very walkable. Everything is kind of like right there where you need it. You can walk to the pharmacy, walk to the grocery store, walk to the local park. They're probably right next to each other. And because of that, there's just a bunch of people all in the same place. So people socialize a lot more. Whereas in the United States, whether you're from the US or you visited, you kind of know we have that reputation for being cold and distant but i don't think that's the case we're just not used to that form of social interaction all the time with a bunch of different kinds of people because our environment is kind of designed for us to be isolated if you live in the suburbs a very residential area there's nothing but houses and especially today most people just stay in the house it's not like you're walking around the neighborhood talking to all your fucking neighbors you probably don't even know your neighbors in many cases and so you have to leave get in your car and drive somewhere to be social, where are you going to go? To a bar? Maybe. A club? A concert? There's really no place for you to just go and meet people and be social. There might be a public park, but if you didn't grow up being social, you go to a park and you stay by yourself, you talk to your friends, you're not just going to be being social if you didn't grow up being social like that. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like our, our country is designed for social isolation and it just got even worse when everybody had one of these or has one of these in their fucking hands. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's another thing that we could definitely adapt in the future is building more environments that encourage social interaction, creating places where you don't necessarily need a car to go everywhere or do everything, you know, especially if we're talking about people having much more time on their hands. 
You imagine if people didn't have to work, how much more fucking time they'd be looking at their cell phone, bro, doing nothing with their lives or with themselves, just like sinking deeper and deeper into fucking depression and social anxiety. It would be horrific, bro. So I think I'm, bro, we're introverts. I don't even fucking like people like that, bro. But I still feel the necessity and also the desire to like get out and at least be around other people, see other people, have interactions and shit like that. And the U.S. just isn't built that way. And I think it makes a huge difference on the vibe of the city, the culture of the people, the way you treat others and shit like that. It makes a huge difference, man. A huge difference. Man, absolutely. It's funny you say that, man, because I, I never thought about that. But it's, it's true. Like in Brazil, for example, you have even around the neighborhoods, you have like bars and like places for people to interact with each other. And from what I've seen in like videos and movies, things like that, you actually have an isolated environment in the U.S. in a sense where you have like an environment for socializing that's like far, far away from like the residation area. And that definitely makes people a lot less uh, susceptible to socialize for sure. And I think that even though that's something that we need to adapt to, I feel like it's going to be more and more common, especially for like the next generation coming up to like not want to socialize as much, especially like it's funny because I was talking to a friend of my, my brother and we were having a conversation like, Hey, when was the last time you got, done by a girl and he was like man i i don't know what that is because i'm always like texting girls or hitting girls up on instagram or like i'm never talking to girls in like never coming up to a girl in person for the first time and i was like man that's crazy because like 20 years ago if you wanted to talk to a girl there is no like I'm DMing her on Instagram <laughs> or I'm texting her on WhatsApp or something. You're going to actually walk up to her and talk to her yeah. and then assume that risk of like getting dumped. Like it's, it's a risk and I have to, to do that. But nowadays, especially for the next few years, that's going to be a real thing. You know, that that's a dumb example, but like walking up to a girl and talking to her, like a girl they found cute, like, I got her Instagram. I can just DM her or send her a message. And if you dumps me, the impact is not going to be as, as big. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to feel it as much. And even for stuff like making friends and stuff. And it's funny because I was actually, uh, I was talking to a friend and we were, um, we were talking about like how difficult it is to, to get weed in Brazil <laughs> because of like, it's not legalized and you have to actually go to like a favela or things like that. And he was like, man, one strategy that I use is actually go on Tinder and I build a profile, like looking for a contact for, for, for green or something like that. And then somebody's going to heat me up and then I can go from there. And that's a dumb example as well. But like, there's a lot of situations that we're going to choose to do online or not in person, not actually socializing, mm-hmm. 
not just because it's more comfortable, but like it's just what the world is offering us um, easily and instantly. So I think it's going to be a, a, a how do you say a tendency in the future to only socialize when it's like really, really necessary. Even stuff like uh, I remember when I when I graduated, I was like absolutely afraid of like job interviews, and I've never done a job interview in person. Like I must have done like almost twenty, and all of them wow. was online. So that goes to show how wow. like the world is changing so much in that aspect. Because if it was a few years ago, I was like, man. I got to have that, you know, that posture and then, you know, got to give that good first impression. Yeah. And then there's the whole anxiety around actually uh, sitting at a table with somebody. And then online, it's just so much, so much easier. Mm -hmm. So, so much more comfortable, you know? So yeah, man, for sure. We got to adapt to that, but I don't know if people will want to adapt to that. You know? What do you think? I think that, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle because I've, I just, I get the impression that first of all, you're right. It's going to be much more common to just do everything digitally. It's convenient. It's easier. It's cheaper. You don't have to get dressed or travel. You don't have to shower if you don't want to. You can just turn on your camera. You may not even turn on your camera. It might just be a voice call or a text message. And a lot of people do prefer that for convenience. Other people who are already socially anxious, they have no reason to step outside of their comfort zone. They can just do everything virtually. So they'll just continue to choose to do that. But I also get the impression that a lot of people, even though they have a tendency to avoid real social interaction, I still think people want it, man. I still think a lot of people, even if they do choose to stay at home and not be social and only interact online, I still think a lot of people wish they could be more social and wish they had more friends or a romantic partner or whatever it is. Because, bro, whether you're introverted or not, it, it makes life richer. Relationships and human connection makes life richer. It just does, bro. And so I think a lot of people don't know how to do the thing. So they just avoid doing the thing. Because nobody ever taught them how to socialize or they forgot how to socialize. So they just always take the path of least resistance. But I think if it were easier... To find yourself, if you were always presented with social situations, you're already primed for the event. You're already there. So there's an, a higher chance you're going to be social. And if you're always there and other people around you are social, there's a higher chance you're going to be social. So if we continue removing opportunities to be social in real life, people will just continue to be less social. But if we, that I think that's why kids are so addicted to their phones because, bro, look how fucking boring and empty the world is for so many people there's nothing to do that's interesting or more interesting than what you can find on your cell phone there's not really anywhere to go or anything to do you might even come from a poor family city and country so it's not like you got money to waste and shit like that so outside of your family you might not really be talking to anybody and once you leave school where are you going to meet people at work if you don't like going to bars and clubs, where the fuck are you going to meet people? You're, you're just not. You're just not. So I think that's one thing that maybe 
especially if there were a business and like some business that you can make out of it, creating social spaces. I'm not just talking about bars or clubs, but places where in the middle of the day, you can just go meet people or at least be around other people and have a higher chance of being social. You know what I mean? Because you can learn at least the basics of communication skills online these days. There's courses, YouTube videos, podcasts. After that, you just have to go out and try it. So the information is there. But I think creating the environment that encourages the behavior is lacking in many places. So that's why the phone is just so much easier. And I don't know, man, like even, you know, the app Tandem for language exchanges. I've been on there a lot lately because I've been trying to improve my Spanish. And they have like these little kind of like it's like a chat room, but it's voice call. So everybody on there can talk at the same time. It's actually really cool, depending on the group of people. And I find that even that is preferable to just like texting somebody you can hear the person's voice and and converse in real time like even that is better you know what i mean imagine trying to learn a language without being able to talk to real people and that's a problem for a lot of people but now you can just get on your phone and you have the opportunity to be social so if we had something like that but in many places in real life i think it'd be a lot better a lot more i think a lot more people would be a lot more social including myself I agree, man, 100%. I think that humans are built in some way to socialize and be around people. And if we avoid that for so much, for so long, it's only going to be detrimental in, in the long mm-hmm. run, for sure. And you're right, man. I think relationships are what makes life really fun, in my opinion. Like, uh, I, I was thinking about it the other day, like how a long time ago I was, I had this idea of like, yeah, man, I'm going to have lots of money and I want to be successful and I want to be rich, but I'm not going to have like nobody with me, like no girls, like women is just like uh, detrimental to life. It's not going to be a good thing to me. <laughs> I don't want no kids. I don't want no family. And then. I can't remember who said it. It's, it's a really cliche uh, uh, idea, but it really makes sense. Like, if you have a uh, a victory in life, or if you have uh, conquered something in life, but you don't have anybody to share that with, it is not going to be as fun as you think it will. It's actually going to be a little bit depressing to have achieved something in life and then the only person that you have to share that with is yourself. And then I had the experience like after getting into a relationship of like conquering something or achieving something that I was, that I was uh, uh, going after. And then the feeling that you have when you like have somebody that you love or that you care about and then you share that with, and then the other person is like happy for you and things like that, man, it is so much more rewarding than just achieving something and being like, yeah, I did it, but then <laughs> who do I tell that to, yeah. you know? And not to say that you need to share everything with everybody, but like keeping things to yourself forever in the long run, it is not a good thing. Even if your life is like perfect, let's say, like you have everything you've always always wanted to Mm -hmm. so yeah for sure man like 
uh, putting yourself out there and forging relationships and having contact with people and socializing it is always going to be a good thing even for us like people that are really introverted it, it we're, we're always going to get good things out of that good things out of the attempt even if not the the actual experience with the other person i think the most important thing is just the attempt at being social stepping outside of your comfort zone trying to make connections i think that's where the benefit comes from and it makes me think of like even traveling, which is what I'm doing now. It's not necessarily, for me, it's never been the places I visit because like I've been traveling since I was like three years old, bro. I've lived in so many different cities and places and houses and apartments. Like everything starts to look the same after a while. Like a building is just another fucking building. And maybe they use different materials. It was a different style. Like, oh, the architecture. But you know, I'm not traveling halfway around the world to look at fucking buildings, bro. I'm just not, that's not my kind of thing. So for me, it's always been the people that you meet that make all the difference on your trip. It was the people I met in Brazil and Mexico. It's the people I meet in my home country that make life more interesting. The people that you spend most time with determine a large part of your life experience. So it's all about the connections you make, man. Like, for example, here where I'm at now, um, or since I arrived in Colombia, man, I just don't have a lot of positive things to say about my experience I'll, I'll be honest with you man and when i was in bogota for a month like i i got to a point where i don't know man it's just like even i mean sometimes here too but definitely in bogota like a lot of people look at me like i got shit on my face they treat me like i don't belong here and i just don't feel welcome pretty much anywhere i go like 90 percent of the places i go i don't feel like i should be there and that like that I'm welcome, you know what I'm saying? And enough enough of that, enough of those interactions where you're just like, am I doing something wrong? Like something wrong with me? What the fuck? Because you don't even have to be looking for it, but you notice, okay, this person treated this stranger and this stranger like they've been friends for 10 years, but they treat me, this stranger, like, like I did something wrong to him or some shit or like I shouldn't be here. And if that happens enough times, you're just like, well, fuck it. I just got to a point where like, man, I'm probably never going to improve my Spanish or learn anything about this culture because I just don't, I just haven't had positive experiences here. And if you're not, if you don't feel welcome in a group of people, you probably don't want to spend time with those people. So you just end up yeah. spending time with yourself. And now I'm in Cali and it's, you know, I wouldn't say there's a huge difference. It's certainly better. You know what I'm saying? But even here, a lot of places I go, a lot of people I talk to, it's just like, what the, what the, is there something in the water, dog? And it must, you start to think it must be me. Because with each other, they don't act like that. But with me, they do. And I'm just, I don't know, maybe I haven't adjusted to the culture yet. And there's just certain things I don't understand about people's behavior or how I'm supposed to interact and shit. I really haven't figured it out. And I haven't thought too deeply about it. But what I'm trying to say is that the interactions you have with people in your environment determine your life experience. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, after enough of those negative experiences, I'm like, man, I don't even really want to be here like that like this first time i think i left my country and i was like damn i miss my country bro you know what i'm saying wow. i feel more welcome and at home in a place where we're supposedly the most racist hateful people on the earth i see it the exact opposite way man i've experienced more racism and poor treatment in mexico and brazil and colombia than i ever have in the united states of america easily it's like not even close you know what i mean and so i think that's one thing that um I learned from a very young age, it's just like people, they're the only thing that, well, 
they're one of the most important things in life. And if you're just around shitty people all the time, you might think life is shitty. You might think you're shitty and that you deserve the shitty treatment you're getting. But when you move to a different environment, people treat you different. They behave different. You see life with different eyes, man. When you when you were single and when you had your and the difference between you being single and having your girlfriend, you see life with different eyes, bro. It's completely different. You know what I'm saying? Completely different. So it's all about the people in your environment. That's what like. It's not the only thing, but it determines a huge part of your life experience. So that's why I'm like, I've always just been comfortable being alone as opposed to being in shitty company. Because when I'm in shitty company, I feel shitty and I don't like existing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I prefer to either be alone or, you know, I could, I'll say it this way. I'm cool being alone. I would love to have more friends, a partner and a wife and kids one day. But it's like, you know, you don't necessarily always control that. You know what I mean? I don't really know if I have a point anymore. I'm just rambling at this point, but it's just stuff I think about. You know what I mean? People make all the difference in your life experience, bro. Absolutely. All the difference. Man, it's interesting to say that because that even makes me think about that that cliche of like you're like the average of the five people they spend 100%. the most time with. Yeah. Because the the people around you definitely makes huge impact on your mindset and your behavior and how you feel about life. And that, I never thought about that, but that definitely uh, um, makes a difference when you're traveling. Like, it's not just traveling. It's like what you're doing with your time when you're traveling, like who you're spending your time on. That's going to make a huge difference in the experience. It can be good or bad, depending on, depending on the people you're hanging out with. And man, that just blew my mind right now because I never thought about that. I I've always thought like, man, I wanna, I wanna travel the world and I wanna visit uh, uh, as much countries as I, as possible. But having people with you that makes your time well spent while visiting a country makes a huge difference, man. Now that I, now that I think about mm-hmm. about it that way. And uh, do you think that that experience that you had is different than what, what you experienced in Mexico and Brazil? Do you feel like in Brazil and Mexico you've been more welcomed by by locals? Because I know that in Brazil you already had a lot of friends prior to coming to the country, so maybe that made a difference. But do you think that Brazil was like so much different than that or kind of similar like how do you compare people from colombia to brazilians and we had that conversation for like you're gonna find assholes and great people and everywhere but like (laughs) how how do you how do you feel they're different oh man i gotta be careful because i'm about to make some very general statements we're talking about hundreds of millions of people but based on my i'll talk about my experience yes um I'd say that in Mexico, it was like 50-50. I met some amazing people when I was there. Man, I met a lot of fucking, a lot of fucking shitty people when I was there, man. And I'll say this. One thing that I've noticed, I could be wrong. This is just my impression based on my experience. Brazil is unique in the sense that black, white, and brown is kind of all mixed together. And therefore, after so many years of that, it's kind of like, of course, there's racism, but, you know, 
you see black and white people together all the time. It's like black, white, brown, Asian as well. They're all just kind of mixed together and they're all Brazilians and everybody's kind of just cool with everybody. What I've noticed in the rest of Latin America is like black people, even though they don't really like to talk about this, black people are not really welcome in most places. They kind of like they won't overtly say we don't like you. You're not welcome. We don't really have much love for black people. But you can't really hide it in your behavior. You can't really hide it in your energy or your vibe or the way you talk to and treat people, man. Like, I don't know. It's just the impression I have that, like, that we're not really loved or welcomed or appreciated in Spanish-speaking Latin America. That's a very general statement. Wow. Obviously, it's not 100% true. Probably not even 80% true. I don't know. But that's just the feeling I get in Mexico and definitely now in Colombia that and i don't know if it's just because i'm black maybe it's because i'm introverted maybe it's because i have tattoos maybe it's because i'm american there could be a million reasons why i feel like i'm being i'm getting treated worse than the average local it could be a million reasons i don't know but i'll definitely say i, f I feel much more at home in the u.s and brazil than i did in mexico and now in colombia like somebody that i love a family member i would not recommend that they come here you know, just based on my experience, wow. not to say that they couldn't have a great experience. Obviously, they could. Plenty of people do. Of all ethnicities, they come here and have a great time. But I would not tell you, Mateos, man, you got to come here. Nah, bros. Stay in Brazil, <laughs> you know, save your money, go to U.S. or something like that. You're probably not going to like it here, especially based on what I know about your experience in Argentina. It sounds quite similar to what I experience here, which is why I say, nah, you I don't know if you want to come here, bro. I don't know about man. that, you know. Man, it's crazy how people have that power of, like, even make you not appreciate a country. Like, we're not talking about people in the country, <laughs> man. Like, you had that experience with people in Colombia, but now you're talking about Colombia itself. Yeah, that's what, I'm you sorry to cut how, you off. I just yeah. want to make it clear, like, I know I'm making a very general statement. I've only been to two cities. And I've only been there for a month in one and a couple weeks in the other. So I can't like shit on Colombia. I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to say Colombia is bad because I know it could be taken that way. You might have even understood it that way. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying my experience has been much more negative than positive. And for that reason, sometimes I'm just like, man, I don't even have any desire to improve my Spanish or get out and experience the culture because most places I go, I don't even fucking feel welcome. So why would I even want to like, why would I feel any energy or excitement to get deeper into it when most places I go, I feel like most people are just like, why the fuck are you even here? You know what I mean? So I just want to make that clear. I don't want you to like, because maybe you want to come to Columbia one day. You should still come. I'm just saying, based yeah. on my experience, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Nah. Nah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's the exact same feeling that I have about Argentina, mm. man, is like, I wouldn't recommend, because to me personally, it's not a place that I would want to go back to. So I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't recommend. And that's exclusively because of the people that I met there, yeah. the experience that I had with people on there. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's crazy, man, because <laughs> when you think about visiting a country, like, in 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 my mind, like I thought about everything and did not consider that point of like 
the people in the country and how that can make a difference in in the entire trip mm-hmm. because it can be the most beautiful place in the world but if you're not around like people that you want to be around you're not going to have a good experience like it's and you can be at a place where it's not as beautiful or not as not as fancy like i don't know the northeast of brazil but you can have great people around and you can uh make the experience a lot a lot better just because the people are around so man it it just makes it, it just makes me think about argentina <laughs> When you say that, man, not a place that I would. And and Uruguay, man. When I went to Uruguay, uh, like when I when I was in Argentina, I I had a whole weekend where I could kind of do what I wanted. I could uh, visit uh, any tourist place that I wanted and just go around the city. And in Uruguay, I did not have that. So a lot of the, the the touristic parts in Uruguay, I did not visit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in Uruguay that I have no idea about. But because of the people that I met there, I'm like a hundred percent, a hundred times Uruguay over Argentina. Absolutely, Argentina. I went to a lot of different places, man. Like beautiful places that I was like, man, I want to take a picture of that. That's a great place to be at. But because of the people, I'm like, I don't want to go back Fuck there. This place. And in Uruguay, <laughs> if if you ask me, man, Uruguay, what can we do in Uruguay? I don't know, mm-hmm. man. I just like the only remarkable experience that I had in Uruguay was smoking yep. weed. Just to give you an idea <laughs> of like how the trip was. Like, I didn't visit no places. Like, oh I didn't have God. any like. Uh, uh touristic place that i visited but because of the people it be, it made the experience so much more remarkable 1000% man i can say i can say the same thing about when i was in brazil like a lot of people talk shit about sao paulo it's a gigantic city there's chaos and crime and people are cold and blah 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 but in the northeast people are so friendly and warm and the vibe is better for me it was the exact opposite bro i had so much of a better time in my time in Sao Paulo than I did when I was in Salvador. In Salvador, I kind of got the same feeling that, I don't know, like, this is just my experience, but a lot of people I met were, like, kind of rude. They weren't really very friendly or open. And what I also found is, like, a lot of times in places that are considered to be warm, where the culture is warm and open and friendly and everything, it's only, that's only the case if you are also that kind of person. Like, if you're naturally warm and open and extroverted and shit, then you guys can connect. But if you're any way different from those people, they kind of silently reject you and they're not very warm or friendly or open with you. And that was my experience when I went to Salvador. But when I went to Sao Paulo, I didn't really visit a bunch of touristic places because I don't really give a shit about any of that. But I had friends there. I had you there. I was dating a girl there. I had another good friend, the one who's in Canada that I told you about. His family like welcomed me into their home. We had barbecue and I had like, you guys welcomed me in, into your home and we had barbecue, I think it was. Like I had authentic Brazilian experiences with real people in real homes and like I felt welcome and I just really enjoyed it from start to finish when that wasn't my experience when I went to Salvador. So it's all about the people, man. 
it's all about the people yeah. and like now that i'm here i'm fine traveling solo i mean that's fine for me but if you go to a place and you know nobody and you don't necessarily feel welcome or that you don't feel that the people are very open to you and that you can make friends and shit like that it's very easy to just be like you know what i'm gonna just stay in my hotel and wait for my flight back to where i'm going because this place fucking sucks yeah. man i don't really hear people complaining about oh the buildings aren't beautiful enough or there aren't enough yeah. trees it's no the people were like this the people were like that that's what everybody talks about when they travel to a foreign country especially for an extended period of time i went to this place and this place and this place and what about the people and then they can tell you about their experience you know what i'm saying because you i'm visiting a bunch of places like bro you can visit buildings in your own city that you've never been to. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. How, how do the people treat you? Who did you meet? Yeah. What were your experiences like? That's what makes all the difference, bro, in life in general. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That that even makes me uh, reconsider my uh, the places that I've always dreamed about traveling mm. to. Like, if you don't know anybody, like, first of all, having that strategy that we've talked about before of like, before getting to a country, if you can try to have at least two or three friends there, yeah. like prior to getting to the, to the country, like if you don't have that, or um, if you have difficulty to interact with people and to make friends, whatever barrier there is, if there's a language barrier or ethnicity or things like that like why would you want to get outside your house in the first place like like i said buildings are buildings like streets are streets mm -hmm. everywhere in the world so man i think say hey my girlfriend is about to get here do you think that we can wrap it up yeah of course point? bro of course man no worries um hang on let me go ahead and stop the recording all right folks my boy uh Mateus got some business to take care of. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We'll talk to y'all soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.